We are in Yavamos, the very bottom of Kufhei Amanalef, moving on to Kufhei Amabez, 105A, moving on to 105B. As we continue our analysis of the Mishnah, the Mishnah mentioned that there are various cases of Chalitza where it does not uh, work. It doesn't work. However, um, if it was done, so then it disqualifies. Uh, them from ever doing Yibam. They're not allowed to do Yibam as a result of the actions which they did. The attempt to do Chalitza, it looks like Chalitza, the examples that are given, that we'll discuss now, are what happens if it's a deaf-mute who does Chalitza, whether it's the brother-in-law or the sister-in-law, or one of them is a minor, whether it's the brother-in-law or the sister-in-law is under the age of 12 or 13. Um, So then in all those cases... Uh, we said that they are disqualified. And if you remember from the, what we had earlier, it's not, it's not viewed as a good chalitza. And the reason why it's not viewed as a good chalitza is really for two reasons. One reason is because they don't have sufficient knowledge and awareness, uh, especially in the times of the Gemara with the deaf-mute. Um, however, Tosvos does point out, one of the classic commentators does point out that if there is an adult who is watching over the situation, so then that would... Uh, be enough, that would be sufficient for enough uh, kavana with enough, enough intent of the action of which they're doing. They'll be aware of what they are doing, at least with regards to the action of the chalitza, of the taking off of the shoe. Um, but that, the primary reason why um, they are disqualified is because they don't know how to, how to say the words that they have to say. They don't know how to say the words that they have to say. And even though it's not necessary to say the words, but we pointed out uh, in a previous recording that, that the opinion of Rabzeira is that even though they don't know how, even though it's not necessary, but they at least have to have the ability to do the entire process. Even though it's not necessary to do the reading part, to, to speak out uh, the statements that they have to say, but at least they have, at the very least, they have to have the ability to do that, and somebody who's deaf, mute, or uh, a, a child would not be able to do that. So the Gemara now comments on that line, Cherish Nechrats. Shenechlat, sorry. And the Gemara says, Amr Rav The Mishnah, when it says that it doesn't work, but they, the Mishnah also says that it works to the point where you're not allowed to do Yibam anymore. When they get older, you can't do Yibam. Uh, there's no option for Yibam. This is the opinion of Rameir. Rameir is the opinion that says that it's like, uh, it, 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 it's like an adult uh, giving a, a, a get during this situation. A get is a divorce document which doesn't accomplish anything. On a biblical level, when there's the situation of Yibam or Chalitza, they're not married where the divorce document will accomplish anything, but it accomplishes enough to say that uh, that they're not allowed to do Yibam. And so, so to over here, they're not allowed to do Yibam, even though it didn't work for Chalitza, but they cannot, they can no longer marry their brother-in-law. The sister-in-law and brother-in-law can't get married. However, the majority of the Chacham say, Ein Chalitza's katan klum, that if there's a katan, a minor who does Chalitza, it doesn't, it doesn't accomplish anything. Not even, uh, it's not even disqualified from doing Yibam in the future. Let's say this child gets older, according to the Chachamim, according to the majority, they're allowed to go ahead and do Yibam. The Chalitza, which they did, is, is, is nothing. It doesn't accomplish anything. Okay? Uh, so now the Gemara continues, and now it's discussing the flip side. What happens if she, the sister-in-law, is uh, a minor, Kitana Shechaltza, so in this case, I'm reviewed them. Rav Zudiver of Mayor. This is the opinion of Mayor again. This is the position of Mayor. Why? The verse never actually says that 
uh, a minor is disqualified with regards to the sister-in-law. He says, "Damer ish kasev b'parsha makshinan isha leish alchom armem ish kasev b'parsha isha ben gedola ben ketana." The Gemara explains that uh, when it comes to minors, the reason why they're disqualified, at least for the brother-in-law, is because the verse says ish. It says that it has to be a man, it has to be an adult male, adult man, but never says that with regards to the woman. So according to Rameyer, we say just like by the man, it has to be an adult. So to, with regards to the sister-in-law, it also has to be an adult. And so therefore, if she's a minor, it wouldn't work as chalitza, which is the position of the Mishnah. That works with the Mishnah. Uh, but according to the Chachamim, the majority, they say that no. When it says in the Torah, ish, that it has to be a man who's an adult, it's only with regards to the brother-in-law. It's not with regards to the sister-in-law. It would work whether or not the sister-in-law is an adult or whether or not the sister-in-law is a minor. It would also work. Uh, according to Tosos, you would still have to solve the problem of them being aware, so you would have to have an adult that stands over them. Uh, but with regards to any other disqualification, because the Torah uses the language of a man, uh, so that would not uh, that would not disqualify her because it's only with regards to the men where it says that's to be an adult, now with regards to the sister-in-law in this context. Okay, so that that's an important point, that the Mishnah is really only going according to Rameir, according to the Chachamim, according to the majority, that it would actually work as chalitza, even if she, even if the sister-in-law is a minor. So on this point, the Gemara says, Man chachamim, who is the majority? Who is the one that says the majority that it, it would in fact work? Again, according to Tosos, provided that there's an adult that's overseeing the process to provide the sufficient understanding of what's going on. But the Gemara says, it's Rabiosi he. This is the position of Rabiosi. And now the Gemara goes into a tangent about a whole story that's about to take place. And the Gemara says as follows, this is the position of Rabbi and what happened? Two rabbis from the times of the Gemara, Rabbi and Rabbi Bar Rabbi, have Yasvi, and they were sitting together uh, outside of the uh, the base measures, outside of the house of study. One of them began to say as follows, they, they began talking in learning, in the study of Torah. He said that when a person prays, they have to have their eyes facing the ground. Why do they have to have their eyes facing the ground? Because they were in Israel, they were living in Israel. They have to face the ground because the ground is Israel. They have to face the ground of Israel itself. So their eyes should be facing the ground. Um, and what we do today is that we face Israel wherever we are. We should always face, we face east towards Israel. Uh, but if you're in Israel itself, you have to face down. Uh, and you should have your face uh, face towards uh, towards looking down. Uh, the, the commentators do point out that if you're looking inside of the sitter, inside of the prayer book, so then that would also be sufficient because you need to look inside to understand what you're saying or in order to concentrate. But if uh, independent of that, you should be looking down. That's what the first opinion says. Um, the Chad Amar, the other, the other person said... No, your eyes have to be facing up. Why do they have to be facing up? Because the verse says, It says uh, you should raise your your hearts up, towards up. In the meantime, Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yossi, came to them. And and he says to them, what are, you, what are you guys talking about? What, what's the discussion? What, what are you talking about? So they said to him, We're discussing... How a person is supposed to stand during while while they pray during tefillah. So Amar Luhu Kachamar Abba. So he says, you should know this is what my father, my father Rabbi Yossi, He was of the opinion 
that in order to fulfill both verses, you can fulfill both. A person should have their eyes towards the ground, towards the land of Israel, the land itself, because they're in Israel, but their hearts, but their hearts should be upwards. Their, their, uh, their hearts uh, have to be, should be, be upwards to fulfill both verses. And that's what, uh, that's what Rabbi Shmuel says in the name of Rabbi Yossi, his father. Just to comment on this point, uh, there's a discussion that's asked by some of the uh, later commentators. They say that there is a uh, law that we have to have a wind- we should have windows in our synagogues and our shuls. Um, and one reason is just for good ventilation. So that really has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It's just you need to have good ventilation so that you're able, which is also important, that you have to be in a situation where it's uh, conducive towards uh, less distractions, towards uh, just focus on the prayer itself. Uh, but there's another opinion that says that the reason why you have to have windows is so that you can look up every so often to remember the the outside, which reminds you of God's um, God's universe, the fact that God created this universe. But the, but if you're supposed to be looking down, so then why would you be looking outside the window? Um, and so the answer that's given is that you should just you, you shouldn't be looking outside the window uh, the entire time. It's just there to to help you concentrate. You look outside the window, you're reminded of God's God's king, kingdom. And then you should look back down. Um, and in fact, some of the common, so really, but the main, the main posture should be one of uh, the eyes towards the ground. Um, and there were even later commentators who said that uh, we, there's some chazanim, there's some cantors uh, whose face is looking up towards the ceiling the whole time, and that's improper. Uh, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, and you should really be in a, in a, in a serious state with your, with your eyes uh, looking down or facing facing Israel. Um, okay, so that's with regards to that story. But the, the story continues as the three of them are talking. So then, Adahachi asa Rebbe lemisifta. So Rebbe, Rebbe Yehuda Nasi, the one who wrote the Mishnah, uh, while they were talking, comes to the study house and everybody has to quickly go. He's about to give the class. So they were outside of the study hall and everybody's running around to, to get to the class. So, Inu Dahave Kakili, those who were uh, it was easy for them to walk. They were able to sit in their place before Rebbe got to, to, to talk to begin the to begin the class. However, Bishmal, the son of Rebbe he was heavy, so he was walking slower, and he would pass over the heads because people would sit on the floor, and he would sort of pass over the heads in order to get to his place. So Amrle Abdan, a person by the name of Abdam. Um, who was a student of Rebbe, who was a student and really uh, a mishamish, somebody who, who was an attendant for, for Rabbi Yehuda Anasi, for Rebbe. So he goes and he says to Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yossi, Who is this person who is stepping over the heads of such a sacred people? How could you do this? It's a lack of respect. So Amr so Rabbi Shmuel says to him, Ani Rabbi Yossi, Shabbos, and the Torah, Rebbe. He says, what are you talking about? I am... Yishmael, the son of Rabbi Yossi, and I came to study under Rebbe, so that's why I did it. So he says, Amalei, so Abdon said back to him, Rebbe, are you actually fit to study Torah from, from Rebbe? Seems like you're disrespecting others by jumping uh, over them, you're climbing over them. So he says back, <laughs> Rabbi Yishmael says back to him, very interesting Gemara, he says, and Moshe, Moses, was he fit to study Torah from God? So even if you're not fit, but the, the, the Torah study is the Torah study, and everybody should have access to it if they want to have it. So Amr Lai, Abdan says back to him, Moshe Atah? 
He says, okay, fine, you're right, but are you Moses? Are you on the same level of Moshe that you uh, you should be studying for Rebbe? So he says back, Rishmael says back, and he says back, but is Rabbi Yehuda, Hanasi, and he uses specifically your rabbi, is he like God? He's not, he's not on the level of Hashem. He's not on the level of God. So I can study from him. So Amr Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef said, Shakla Rebbe Lemach Rafse. Um, he said, Rav Yosef said, that Rabbi Hudanasi, he uh, received his retribution. Rabbi Hudanasi is seeing all of this. Rabbi Shmal is coming to study under him. He's not coming to the class. But he doesn't even refer to him as his own rabbi, as his own rabbi. He says, your rabbi. And Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, he remained silent during this entire discussion. During the entire time, he was quiet. He did not reprimand his students. Uh, and it was a problem. He didn't reprimand his students uh, for humiliating. Uh, his attendant was humiliating Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel was a big Torah scholar. And his student was questioning him, what right do you have to come to the class? And he didn't say anything. He remained quiet. And what was... What was the result of that? So the Gemara says the result of that was that Rabbi Shmuel referred to Rebbe as your teacher and not my teacher. Um, essentially not accepting Rebbe because Rebbe, since Rebbe didn't say anything about the fact that he was questioning Rabbi Shmuel, his student was questioning Rabbi Shmuel and why was he attending the class. So as a result of that, Rabbi Shmuel no longer referred to him as my Rebbe but as your Rebbe, your rabbi, but no longer my rabbi. He did not accept his authority. Uh, but in the meantime... Why are we discussing this whole story? It's for the following. In the meantime, uh, before he be, I guess it's before he's beginning the class, a Yevama, a sister-in-law who's waiting to do Yibam or Chalitza, approaches Rebbe, and Amale, uh, Rebbe Laabdan, Pok Bidka, uh, so Rebbe Yehuda says, she wants to do Chalitza, um, and Rebbe Yehuda says to, to Abdan, go and find out and make sure that she's really old enough, that uh, she looks pretty young, Make sure she's old enough, she's no longer under the age of 12. Make sure that she's mature enough uh, to do chalitza. Lebasad enough, like after the, he left, after Abdan left, Amr le Rishmael, so Rishmael says to Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, to Rabbi, who's about to give this class, to the, give the shir, Kachamar Abba, I'll tell you, my, my father Rabbi Yossi said, Ish Kosovo Parshavel Isha Ben Gedol Ben Katana, which is, this is the whole reason why we're mentioning this, is that he would tell him that Rabbi Yossi is the source for the idea that when we say they need an adult, that's only with regards to the brother-in-law. Because it says ish, it says there has to be an adult in the Torah itself. But that's only with regards to the brother-in-law. With regards to the sister-in-law, it doesn't say anything. It could be also a minor. It doesn't have to be an adult. It could also be a minor. And so that's what he tells uh, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi. So Amar Lei, so Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, Rabbi goes to Abdon, who he went to tell him to go check it out. And he says, Lotzrichas, come back. You don't have to tell Lotzrichas, come back. You don't have to check. Why? Kvar Horizakin, Rabbi Yossi already ruled uh, that it's fine that uh, we can have a minor. We don't have to find out whether or not she is above the age of 12 and that she's, mature, she's matured enough um, physically. Uh, that that we, don't, we don't have to look into it anymore. So as he's coming back, as Abdon is coming back to the class, Kamefasa Abdon, Vaasi, he starts, he has to get to the class. So he starts, people are sitting down. He steps over people. The same exact thing that Rabbi Shmuel did. Now Abdon's doing, and he and Abdon has, was questioning Rabbi Shmuel, how, how are you fit to come to the class? So Rishmael, as a result of this, I'm really Rishmael, Rabbi Yossi, he said to him, Rishmael said to him, I don't understand. She says, if the 
if the holy people are relying on him, meaning me, I'm Rabbi Shmuel, I'm a, a great Torah scholar, so I can step over their heads to get to the class. But no one's relying, who's relying on you? Which holy people are relying on you? What right do you have to uh, step over people? What right do you have to step over them? So Amalei Rabbi Abdon, so Rabbi Huda Nasi tells his, uh, his attendant, Abdon, Kom b'duchtech. He says, stand in your place and don't stop walking. Basically, Abdon did the wrong thing. First of all, he was questioning Rabbi Yishmael about attending the class, even though Rabbi Yishmael, everyone knew, was a great Torah scholar. Second of all, he did the same thing that Rabbi Yishmael did. He also started walking over everybody, and he was disrespecting them. And the Gemara says, Tana ba'osa shah, so it was taught that at that moment, three things happened to him. Nitztara Abdon v'tavu shnei u'me'anu kalosav. Three things happened at that point in time. He received leprosy for insulting Rabbi Yishmael. As a result of, of, of insulting Rabbi Yishmael, it's referred to as Lashon Hara, even as, uh, as evil speech, uh, something wrong that he did for, insult, for insulting Rabbi Yishmael. So he got leprosy. But beyond that, it was also not just insulting Rabbi Yishmael, but it was questioning Torah scholars um, and uh, their ability to lead and whether or not they should be in their place. So a very terrible tragedy happened where two of his sons were also, they, they died. And as a result of that, um, he had two daughters-in-law who were under the age of 12 uh, married to those sons, and they had to annul their marriages. They were required to annul their marriages. So all of that took place as, as a result of this. So that's the end of the story. The point of having this story is really to teach us that Rubiosi is the one who holds that the sister-in-law could be a minor. But within the story we have all these laws about tefillah and this conversation between Abdan and Rabbi Shmuel, this back and forth, um, and Abdan disrespecting Rabbi Shmuel, and so that is that is the story. And Rav Nachmar Yitzchak says to conclude the story, he says, "Blessed is Hashem who shames Abdan in this world, and he and he punishes Abdan in this world, so that he could have, so he's he's no longer will no longer be punished in the world to come." That he'll have the suffering now in this world so that he wouldn't suffer in the world, in the next world, in the world to come. The question now becomes, and we'll conclude with this in the Gemara, um, is how, how young could they be? So we just said that she could be a minor. How young is good enough that she's able to, to concentrate and be aware of what's going on? So Amr Rabbi Ami, Midrav Shlab Rabbi, Rabbi Ami says that we could see from the words of Rabbi Yossi, this great rabbi Rabbi Yossi, that it's a, as long as she reaches the age of, uh, of around uh, six or eight, uh, that, would be, that would be sufficient. Um, that, would, that would be enough, six or seven. Uh, Rava Omar Rava says that it's from the age of 11. It would have to be specifically from the age of 11. That's also the age in which she could begin um, Having halachic, halachically acceptable vows that she takes, oaths that she take, that she takes v'hochosa. However, the halacha in the end of the day is ashetavishteisayros. She has to be uh, really an adult. The halacha is not like Rubiosi, and she has to have uh, physical maturity, two pubic hairs. Uh, she has to reach uh, physical maturity in order to perform chalitza. So in the end, it seems like we follow the Mishnah, who's Rav Meir, and not Rubiosi, to say that she has to. Uh, be a halachic adult, um, and that is that is the halacha. So we'll continue with uh, the continuation of this analysis of the, the rest of the Mishnah in the next recording.